0: Hey, what's up everyone? This is Josh, co-founder of Urban Valor. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Valor podcast. Our guest today is Army Ranger veteran Angel Cortez, a.k.a. OG pumpkin. Angel grew up poor and malnourished and ended up getting jumped into a gang. As a gangster, he found himself selling guns and drugs, running the streets. Eventually, Angel decided to make a change and enlisted into the army. He served multiple combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan and became one of the best of the best, an army ranger. Since transitioning out of the military, Angel has become a huge advocate on giving back as a community leader and an entrepreneur. If you enjoy this episode go give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to help support our veterans the bigger the community the bigger the impact if you'd like to contribute your story to urban valor or know anyone else who may reach out to us on instagram at urban valor tv or you can email us at team at urban enjoy the show what's up angel what's up man thanks for being here brother really appreciate it let's just start off uh, how about you just uh introduce yourself tell us your name um uh, branch of service and the years you
1: served. Okay. Yeah. My name is Angel Cortez. Uh, I'm a former Army Ranger uh, and I was in from 2008 to 2016. Right on. Um, talk to me about
0: your upbringing. Where Where were you raised and what was your childhood upbringing like?
1: I was born and raised in Southern California. My parents were separated so I spent a lot of time either in Garden Grove or in Santa Ana. I grew up in a, in a low-income community, right? And right. with low-income communities comes comes a lot comes Mm -hmm. crime drugs uh you know and with that you know um gangs
0: yeah
1: and uh um
0: eventually you started uh you worked yourself into a
1: gang actually is that right yeah sooner or later uh you know it kind of kind of gets you you're either going to join or not join and if you don't join you're going to get picked on right uh by other gangs and stuff like that so that's kind of what kind of happened to me uh i grew up as a skater i was I always, to this day, I still skate. Mm-hmm. And one day, some skaters was they were trying to steal our boards, and I wanted to do something about it, but I knew I knew I wasn't going to be able to beat them all up, and I knew if I did anything, you know, they were all going to just jump me and my friends. So it made me angry, right? And, I, and right then and there, I had to make the decision: to, to, do I get a, a new group of friends that are willing to stand up? Because the people I was skating with weren't—they weren't fighters. You know, they were good people, but that's just not—that's just not who they were, right? So I started hanging out with, you know, another group that didn't like that group. And basically it was just one gang from another, you know, from one gang to back up against this gang. Yeah. And it was a slippery slope. Did you get jumped in? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, first I hung out for a bit, you right. know, they, they, they want to see who you are and stuff like that. And then little by little, you, you hang out more and, and you would get into fights. Not necessarily, like, with them, but, like, along with them. Mm -hmm. And then they ask you one day, like, hey, man, you ready to get jumped in? And you're like, yeah, let's do this.
0: Being part of a gang growing up, um, you know, did they ever make you do anything crazy?
1: No, because, you know, it's... At the time, I didn't really understand it. But, you know, I had a lot of anger because of my upbringing, you know, of, of being, you know, physically, mentally abused. My dad always beating us. He was an alcoholic. My mom telling us that... We weren't worth shit and and not having stuff and, you know, getting made fun of because you're, you're wearing the same clothes over and over because you're poor. Um, so they never, nothing crazy was, was asked about me. I wanted to do it. You know, sooner or later, I just went from joining a gang to selling guns, selling drugs. And oh. no one was like, you have to go do this. It was always like, yo, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. How do I do this? And then them being like, oh, shit. Okay. Well, this is how we do it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: did you ever get into any trouble with the law growing up?
1: No uh no, no serious trouble. I got I got really lucky. Mm. You know, the worst um thing that, that it came close is when SWAT raided our houses. It raided uh for like about four or five of our houses at the same time and and they were looking for stuff and they did find guns and drugs and stuff like that, but but what they were looking for specifically, they didn't. Mm. So nobody got in trouble at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow.
1: Um, so what inspired you to join the Army? Well, I, I always looked up to service members. You know, you see movies, war mm. movies from the 90s, you know, like some of the, like the crazy Honor Social movies, you know, or Sampai <laughs> right. Ryan or... What you name it, Black Hawk Down, and mm-hmm. and I looked up to them. So I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be like that. I want because in many ways I wasn't like that, right? I was I was young, uh, poor, malnourished, and they were the opposite, right? Strong, confident, you know. And and I wanted to be like that. So I always knew I was going to go in, into the military. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, of course. My actions didn't say that, but I I, I always knew, and it was one. Of, it's like it was like a secret that I kept it from from all the ga- all like from my gang, right? right? My family members knew but little by little they kind of like gave away f- they gave up on that that, mm-hmm. that oh he's going to join. They were like you ain't going to join. dude, look at what you're doing. Mm. But I always wanted to. Is there any specific reason why you chose the army? Uh well, most people know the army, right? So like Saint Pride Ryan is the army. Um Yeah. Black Hawk Down is the army. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know understand the difference between the branches, right? Marines, Air Force, Navy. And, and to be honest, I didn't either. Mm. So I just thought everything was the Army.
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
1: know? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to join the Army.
0: Right. Uh, did, you, did you get a pick, choose your job?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of National Geographic specials where, um, you know, these IEDs were killing people. So I didn't really understand what IEDs were at the time. And so I walked in and I wanted to have a job that did something about the IEDs.
0: Mm. And that's how
1: I ended up being a combat engineer.
0: Hmm. okay. And so uh where where was boot camp at? Uh Missouri. Or an in the army they call it basic training. Yeah, right? basic training. Yeah, yeah. 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 Missouri. What, yeah. Um was that a uh was that kind of a
1: culture shock for you at all? Oh hundred percent. It it was such a boot camp alone was a, a really interesting and like right in your face experience because I had never been around anywhere in the United States besides that, right? Mm. And it it's almost like they did it on purpose. They put all the troublemakers in that platoon that I was in. Like the dudes from New York that were, were from whatever gang's hoods, areas from Miami, from Texas, from uh what is it? Little Rock or something like that. Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like so Missouri, like you had troublemakers from all shapes, colors and we were all there together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how the military brings everybody together like that. Yeah. Huh? Um, so uh, what, what was, uh, where were, what's your first duty station
1: after boot camp? So right after boot camp, I went to Washington State. I've never been there, you know, and so cold and, and, and a new area, culture and everything. And I got there and they were like, hey, man, four months from now, we're going to Iraq.
0: Oh, shit. And so and four they're like, months? get ready.
1: And I was like, all right. Wow.
0: What, what unit did you get dropped to?
1: Uh, second ID. Okay. Third grade.
0: Were they... Uh, is that Fort Lewis you went to?
1: Yeah, but now it's uh, JBLM.
0: Oh, they changed the name yeah. of yeah. the base? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So you get dropped there, uh, and then did you go to
1: uh, Iraq with that unit? I went to Iraq with them. Um, and some stuff happened. Nothing heavy compared to what the, the older guys were telling us. So I always... I always felt like, like, uh, like I, like I didn't get what I thought I was gonna get in war. Like, yeah, I saw people, you know, be killed and, and we were attacked and stuff like that. And but nothing like how they were describing, right? So, mm-hmm. Iraq, in my opinion, and then base after my other time, my other, you know, deployed. Right. I didn't think it was it was that uh, eventful.
0: Yeah, kinda boring. Yeah. And that's what war is all about, right? A lot of boredom and then instant chaos at times. Yep. (laughs) How long how long was your first tour? Twelve months. Okay, twelve months, so it sounds like you didn't really get into too much stuff that first tour no um what what uh what do you remember about that deployment like maybe downtime? no or, well
1: know? from from that de- deployment, like some of the stuff that uh in Af- in Afghanistan, yeah, I had like RPG shot at me, but Iraq was the, was the only time where I actually had like legit rockets mm. shot at us where, where when they were hitting around us. I remember thinking like that bunker they made for us to hide in that's not going to do anything yeah (laughs) you know like they were legit five big ass rockets right um and then being mortared and and it hitting it everywhere around me to where the person some person it it landed right and it it took a big chunk out of their neck then right behind that my friend took a little bit to to the ribs and then the guy behind him was Um, a little bit to to the neck, I think a little bit. And then I was behind him and I got nothing. Mm. So like everybody took it. And then I was just there just feeling the force, but not getting hit. Um, find an ID in a a tire, like, like in the, all the National Geographic special tires or whatever.
0: So this is prior, uh, uh, to you becoming an army ranger. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Iraq for twelve months, and you come back, and uh, you know, talk to me about the process of, uh, you know, when did you get into becoming an Army
1: Ranger? Yeah, so I didn't know anything about the military, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, So I didn't know that for special operations units, you had to go through a selection process and then make it. I thought you joined, and then they were like, okay, you seem like a good dude, or you know, physically fit dude, you go over there. Mm -hmm. So when so now I'm in time passes and I realized like, Oh, you know, you can be in these other units and do different things. And I wanted to be like, like them, you know? So when I was out of the military, I wanted to be just in the military and then I accomplished that. So that gave me a sense of like, well, if I can go in, I can make it. then well, what else can I do? Mm. Um, and at the same time, I had a really good friend of mine. He's a, he's been a mentor to this day who of who, when I asked him, like, you know, I'm thinking about maybe, maybe, Dropping a packet of going to special operations. And he's like, do it, man. You can do it. I'll help you. You believe in yourself. Train up and just go for it. You And, and it would be better for you to go for it than not. And just go through your entire life thinking what could be. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Mm. So I just trained up. And, and at, nowadays, there's a bunch of YouTube videos and programs to tell you how to train and what to expect mm-hmm. but back then no that, 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 that was not the case so I I didn't know how to train for it I was like okay well I'm just gonna run a lot do a bunch of push-ups try to max out my PT tests, ruck a lot and, and that, you know just yeah. do a lot of everything
0: yeah yeah Um, what about the um, what about the army rangers attracted you to wanting to do that
1: well well one of the movies of course right, right. but um, for all the special operation units, that was something that was more familiar to me because SF you have, they don't really have platoons, right? They don't really have a company. It's a it's, a, it's an ODA. It's a small team. Hmm. Um, and regiment still has that structure of of you know you got platoons, companies, and, and so and they're very young and aggressive and just direct action. So that's what I wanted. Yeah. So what was uh, what was a selection like? Uh, selection for me, because well, I was prior service, it took me, it took me a whole year, um, to do, I had to do RASP, which is the ranger Aspe- assessment and selection program. Mm-hmm. But before that, I had to do pre-RASP and pre-RASP in a lot of ways sucked more than RASP because there was a, a CAG member who's getting, who was getting ready to go to CAG or, or most people know it as Delta or whatever, right? Whatever mm. whatever it's called nowadays. Okay. And he was training up and he would take us. On his runs and, and whatever he was doing to train up, he would make us do it. And I remember just thinking like, fuck, if this is pre-RASP, what is Rath going to be like? Yeah. You know? and yeah. So after I did that, I had to go to airborne school because I wasn't airborne qualified. And then I had to go to CERT, which is a small unit uh, Ranger Tactics. And then based off my MOS and, and, and rank at that time, I had to go to Master Breacher mm. uh, and then Ranger School. Wow. Um, so until I did all that, then I officially had a spot. Um, mm. Even though I was passing all these things, I was told, like, you know, just to let you know, man, you're not, you know, officially. Yeah. And do
0: you uh, do you do you recall how many people were in uh, ranger school with you? I'm just curious. In the, in
1: the beginning, because it there's big gaps, man. There was almost like 300 of us.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah,
1: if that yeah. maybe okay, maybe 250. There was like 250, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's like there's so many people and then and then but almost immediately a big chunk just goes away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How many do you graduate with about out of 250?
1: Maybe half of that? Maybe less than that? Yeah. I have, I have the graduation picture. Mm-hmm. I should probably count it.
0: Yeah. It's just uh I just I asked yeah. just because to give people the perspective of of what you go through and how difficult it is and even as a soldier already how difficult it is to get through something like that you know yeah
1: so you so let's just say 250 right you start off with 250 but the thing is a bunch of people go they 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 quit they could just give up Mm -hmm. or they fail the pt test or Mm -hmm. the ruck in the beginning phases right so they can't even continue and then throughout that, through through Darby, Mountain Phase, and and, and, and Swamp, or some people call it Florida, whatever, um, you can actually not pass, and then you get rolled back. So the, even the class I graduated with wasn't even the class I started with. I didn't pass Florida, so then I had to do it again. Mm. Um, do they start you over from the beginning? No, just that phase. Okay. You know, so yeah. I was already at the end, at the, at the last phase, and oh wow! And I had to redo that one. So even the graduating class I was with was not even who I started
0: with. Yeah, yeah. But eventually you did. Yeah. Graduate. Yep. And what'd that feel like?
1: Oh man, I was so happy. I had lost thirty pounds. Wow. Yeah, I I, I looked in the mirror and, and my face was sucked in. I could see my cheekbones. My pants weren't fitting, so I, I had to use uh, suspenders to <laughs> you know. It, <laughs> I had the belt too, but I was just like, man, I lost so much weight and uh, I just felt weak and sick. At the, at the end, man, people think that you go through ranger school and you come out, you know, strong and big and healthy and i like, nah, dude, you're sick. You're, yeah. You lost so much weight. Everything hurts. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs>
0: you need time to recover after that. Huh? Yeah. Long
1: yeah. recovery. Long.
0: Um, so
1: where did you get assigned a, a to after you passed ranger school? um to savannah georgia 175 Mm. yeah i was over there okay
0: and um and then eventually you uh you did so you went to afghanistan as a ranger
1: no so i went to so i did the iraq deployment came back and i started training up and uh, i was getting ready to draw my packet and you know there's good guys in the in the army there is right and every every, uh, but the thing about the difference between regiment and and regular conventional unit is that in a conventional unit in the platoon, you have like a couple studs, right? Mm-hmm. But in a regiment, everyone's a stud. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, no, you're no special. You might have some freaks within that group, but like everyone's a stud, right? Right. So within the company, everybody knew that, like, oh, this dude's an up and coming dude. He's really working hard. Uh, he's probably going to drop the packet and leave. And they told me, uh, my platoon sergeant was like, oh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna get attached to special forces, you know. So don't you know you should stick around, and then if you want to leave after that, and then maybe drop the packet. And I didn't believe them, you know, because it, mm-hmm. it seemed too good to be true. You're gonna deploy with special forces, um, and then we did we did do that. Oh, you did. So, yeah. So what happened was, um, there is uh, the, it's it's a village stability operations, right, or mm-hmm. or VSO, and the goal was. You put a ODA team in the valley and they live and fight out of that valley. Instead of doing this whole thing where you go, you live in a big base, you go out, you however many hours, and then you come back in. No, how about you just put an element there that stays there? And and obviously a valley is huge and th- that could be a lot to handle for one ODA team, especially if it's an active valley. Mm-hmm. So, they're, so instead of putting two ODAs together, they're like, how about we supplement it? with some infantry guys mm. from the conventional unit. So then you got the ODA and infantry squad or two squads. And, and so that's what we did. And, and so I went to Afghanistan, I got attached to third group and we lived and fought out of basically a house Oh really? and, and everything that I thought I wanted, I got in that deployment really? and, 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 and more, more than what I thought, you know, like what? He named it, everything. I had to deal with suicide bombers. We made national, uh, the national news oh, three yeah. times. I had friends killed. Mm. Uh, so many of us got wounded. A couple of us left with two Purple Hearts because they would get hurt, come back, and then get hurt again. Mm. Um, Even in so many firefights, waking up so many times by, by gunfire. Um, in that deployment alone, we, when it came to, to firefights and engagements, we easily, easily hit triple digits. Wow. Wow. What valley were you in? Uh, Wardak. Wardak? So Wardak, uh, it's, uh, Onkai. So Wardak is a province. Onkai is, is the valley. And then okay. we moved to, uh, we call it, uh, or Jarwest, or however you mm-hmm. want to pronounce it. Mm. Um, what, what was your guys's mission while you were out there? So to create white space, right? So white space, as in, and it, and it was dependent by valley, right? And, and if you were in one valley, you had locals that are, that didn't like the Taliban, and they were willing to help you fight and create white space, right? So move uh, area where, where where freedom of movement, right? But then, but the valley we were at. I mean, you were basically living with Taliban, you were fighting the Taliban, so it, we were trying to kick them out, but it was kind of hard because you're trying to kick out people that live there yeah you know you're trying to fight them you know, and and every day multiple multiple gunfights and, and, and i remember if like two days passed or three days passed with nothing happening i thought that was so weird i thought yeah. that, would, that, that would be so strange
0: mm, really yeah. wow you guys are busy out there yeah um do you recall any um fight that maybe stands out more
1: than the other ones yeah so Man, I, I got stories for days. Yeah, um, one him. of the biggest ones where were we did I mean, this is one of the, the three times that we made the the national headlines was, um, it was it was almost like five in the morning. Uh, so we lived in, out of a house, right? But there was a small cop, um, you know, smaller base, mm-hmm. um, for, um, not so far that we would get supplies and mail and stuff like that. And we, we went there, and the sun was just about to go up uh and there was an explosion at the gate and and I knew it was the gate. so so the cop was kind of at a hill and our little compound was on top of the hill. So we had our own little compound where we would get a resupply you know special operations compound only, right So that's where we like our mechanics and stuff like that would be at if we ever needed anything. And I remember just pointing down and being like, yo man like that's at the gate. like that's at the gate. And as guys are, are are running up to by the balcony, and I'm pointing, yo, that's at the gate. I felt the strongest force I'd ever felt in my entire life. Uh, at the time, I was on top of a truck. Next thing you know, my face is in the dirt. I don't know what the fuck just happened. Um, I know I'm alive. I'm fucking scared because I don't I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I get up and I and I look, and it's the biggest fucking mushroom cloud I've ever seen in my life. And what happened was, a dude walked up to the gate, blew himself up, and then allowed a dump truck to go in and blow itself up. And so I knew I'm alive, but clearly, there's a hole now that we need to, to we need to protect because mm-hmm. they're going to start coming in. Because earlier that year, that's what they that's what they did. I think it was, um, forget the base, but that year and the year before they had done that, they bullet blew, somebody blew themselves up the gate and then dudes would just come in and then start fighting. So I grabbed my gear and we all start running down the hill. And I remember as we were running down the hill, there's there's a, a, a I forget the unit, I think, I think it was 173rd, um, was there. And I remember one of the dudes, he's covered in dust, right? And he's just looking at us, running towards the the hole, you know that that was that's created there. And he was just looking at us and just like, like almost in disbelief, you know. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he thought we were crazy. I don't know what he was thinking. But I remember him just looking at us, and then I made eye contact with him, and, and just kept running. And when we go there, bodies everywhere. There's there's people dying slowly because not everybody died right away. They're dying slowly because of the of the. Of the force, of the blast, right? So the insides is probably turned in, you know, probably all scrambled up. Yeah. Um, you know.
0: Internal bleeding yeah, and all that. Yeah, all of
1: it. You know, people moaning slowly, just dying slowly. The bodies, are they are they your guys? or So, so they're the combination of both, oh, right? Because it, it was attached to a, a uh, bazaar, right? Uh-huh. So you had, that day, if I remember correctly, it was like 94 Americans got hurt right wow. I, I don't think any anybody, anybody died but uh, I, I, from what that I know yeah um, I know a lot of them got seriously fucking hurt um but all the Afghans that I uh, that, all the people that I that I saw that were were killed were, were I mean dead were Afghans mm. so we go down there and we're blocking this hole there's like it was just the ODA and the small squad of infantry guys that so we went down there. Uh, but not 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 even even not all of us went down there, right? Only some of us. So mm-hmm. some of us stayed back and and got the trucks ready and and had a, le- a legit plan to set up and right bring all the trucks down and stuff like that, lock this bitch down, right? And man, I mean, they never came. And and what happened was that it's because another truck was coming, mm. and our combat controller found that out. Oh wow! Yeah. So so they shot up that truck and they took it out. Yeah, it took it out. Nice. And um, so, obviously, we're on edge. Like, yo, when are they coming? When are they coming? Nobody came. Most nobody came because there was another truck that wanted to come in. Um, and I remember just by the time it was all said and done, I think because I had a I had a, a a GoPro, you know, right? And I, I turned it on. when I turned it on, we were running down the hill. So the footage starts on we're running oh, down. Oh shit! You got f- footage of it? Yeah, that's wild. And took about 45 minutes to an hour for the convention unit to to help us close this hole mm-hmm. obviously they I knew I know they had stuff to deal with right a bunch of dudes are hurt they get, they, they, need, they need accountability and all that or and, or whatever um, and then I just went and walked up the hill I remember I, I closed the door to my room and I just looked down and I just just sat there. For a while. It seemed like forever. But it was probably like maybe just 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Trying to process what the fuck just happened. I looked down at my shoe. There was like a, a pieces of flesh in my shoelaces. Oh, shit. You know, because as we're walking, I, did, I didn't know at the time. But I'm stepping over body parts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? I'm, there's a body in it. And then when I look at the footage, there's like a body right here. And I didn't even notice. I'm just walking by. There's a foot right here. I, You know? um, And then I just went in the shower and I just let the water hit me and i could smell that that's when i then i could really uh smell it on me like the smell of death mm-hmm. like burnt flesh yeah I and, and i just let the water hit me took a shower and fucking tried to go to bed but couldn't yeah. you know turn well cuz all the tbi from that explosion from the whole thing i mean all of us probably from that day hands down for sure we have tbi right mm-hmm. uh obviously the closer you are the severe the more severe it is, probably, you know, I mean, not probably it is. Yeah. Um, I couldn't go to sleep, you know, also because what the fuck just happened. Yeah. It's not like tomorrow we're going home. Right. We still have week after week after week after week. Your homies are getting killed. So-and-so got blown up, lost a leg. So-and-so got blown up that, uh, like, 70% of his body, you know, of his flesh got burnt. Oh. Uh you, you lost two of your good friends. And you're like, wow. okay.
0: When you're checking on these IEDs, are you are you suited up?
1: Nah. No.
0: You're just you're not in a bomb suit or nothing? No,
1: fuck no. I p- I've picked up IEDs with my bare hands.
0: No shit? Yeah. Live ones? Yeah. Wow. Well, I got where-
1: footage of that too.
0: That's fucking crazy. Um, you guys didn't have EOD?
1: Yeah, we did have EOD with us, but we trained. I trained with them. I went to a bunch of ID courses and stuff like that. More than your average individual, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like I. They were like, "Hey, you fucking just go." Yeah. Um, and then, uh, it's. I mean, I, 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 I can speak in this way because I, I. To me, it seems easy. But once after you go to schools and stuff like that, and it's not that complicated. hmm It's not. I mean, yes, you have to know what the fuck you're doing and 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 see things fast and stuff like that but but you know there's nothing that eod guy was gonna do in that moment that i had not already done myself mm. or learned at a other school you know a lot of these yeah. schools are really good they're getting like day of information right like yeah. we found this so-and-so well in that school they're implementing it the next day
0: mm. wow um did you uh, lose anyone close to you
1: yeah. out there a lot a lot Um, you know, it's, it's weird because the, the, military teaches you and they train you for everything. But the one thing they don't train you for, and um, there's no training for is your homies dying, Mm -hmm. you know? And, 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 and one of my closest one was Pinnock. Pinnock was my guy, right? He was, I was his team leader. And when they said, Hey, we're, we're, you're going to go with this infantry squad that who's going to be attached to the ODA. You know, I still considered him my guy, you know, even though I'm going a separate route. But before we, they m- decided to make that decision, I mean, before deployment, panic was at my house.
0: Mm-hmm. We're,
1: we're, we're having house every fucking weekend. It was not my house, it's his house, you know, or it's another friend's house or whatever. But we're all together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the the kid was, he was so happy all the time. Even no matter how shitty the day was, that dude had a smile on his face, and and when I heard, you know, the the you don't get phone calls over there, right? And mm-hmm. so they're like, "Hey, Cortez, phone's for you." I was like, "Fuck, this ain't good." And they're like, "Yo, Penix dead." Mm. You know, and you're like, "Fuck," and then and then and then you get the phone call, and then and then but it never stops, and they're like, "Cortez." Phone for you. You're like, so and so's dead, and then and then you're still in it. Dude's getting fucked up, like fucked up. You know, you're like, damn it, man. Um, and then, cause we are in one valley and we have friends in the other valley, and you hear the radio, the radio chatter and shit. Like, one of them, one of them's killed. Yeah. Like, Fuck. And you're thinking like, who? Is it this guy? That guy? This guy? And, and, you know, that shit never stopped. And, it, and then even when when you get out, you know, it fucking doesn't stop. Uh-huh. I got out, and, and when I was in regiment, my first, um, you know, call it supervisor or, or, or chain of command or, or, or whatever word people are used to hearing mm-hmm. was was Solis. Solis was awarded the Medal of Honor not that long ago. So when I got out, I'm thinking... Okay, it's over, but it's not over. You have friends who are still in there who could potentially get killed or hurt, mm-hmm. and you don't think about it until it happens and you're like, "Fuck, this never ends." How did what did you do to get through that
0: while, you know, you you're still out there, you still have nothing, a mission,
1: nothing. I didn't I didn't cry, not to be a tough guy. I didn't I didn't do anything not to be a tough guy, but what it is is that I knew like, "Yo, man, the time is not now." Right. You got shit to do. You got guys under you. You guys who who are depending on you. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the time's not now. Mm. Plus, not to mention, I'm not sure how it is right now in the military, but back then, dude, nobody talked about it. Even if you wanted to, nobody wanted to fucking hear it. Right. So, so besides the fact that yeah, we still got a job, it's not the right time. The, the environment didn't didn't allow it. Right.
0: You just kept pushing forward. Yeah. Yeah, man. And how long were you in Afghanistan for? Twelve months. Twelve months. Twelve months. Um, any other any other stories uh, uh that you can recall?
1: Yeah, like I I tell you, I got them for days. <laughs> yeah. So we lived in a house, right? We lived in that house, and 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 it's a big valley. So to to have a a bigger bubble, we found this courtyard, right? It was like they were going to build a house, but they didn't. But they so that Piece of land had walls, mm-hmm. so we decided to take over that, and we um, and they and the Taliban saw what we were wanting to do, and they were not gonna let us. As we're building, I mean, as we're filling in sandbags, man, they are sending RPGs, you know, machine gun fire, and 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 finally we we built this thing up, right? So, but we there's no running water, there's nothing, there's absolutely no electricity. You are your own security, right? Uh, you have some guys stay up for guard 24-7. Um, so we, you take shifts, right? We live in the house where the house for us was was, was heaven, right? Mm-hmm. So, even though there's huge bases that are having like salsa night and they got fucking Starbucks coffee or whatever the fuck it's called, <laughs> Domino's, the house for us, because what we were used to, that was fucking heaven. So you, if you're not at the house, you're you're at the at at the you know little courtyard area, mm-hmm. and shit was rough back there. We were, I mean we were burning our shit, burning our trash. Yeah. we were doing that at the house too, but at least at the house we had electricity, mm. and and bottles of water to take showers in. Right. Um, but we would rotate, and I and they and the Taliban always like to attack right, not always, but under big attacks they like to attack right as the sun comes up. Right. So I always wanted and asked and got the guard shift that covered the time right as the sun was coming up because I always wanted to be the guy that was awake during that you know th- that moment and i remember when when i was i was they woke me up from my guard shift and I, I was maybe on there for like 10 15 minutes and i noticed a dude in the bush like super close and there's vegetation around us right and it's not like a flat area it's like a hill so you you're trying to see everything mm-hmm. and so i called the, our afghan partners and because we had an Afghan uh, special forces team attached with us there. And I was like, yo, look at this dude. He's like looking at our entrance, you know, one of our entrances and because we had two. Mm-hmm. And they go and they're like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm just here, you know, being a fucking farmer. And I'm like, bro, I've stared at him for like 10 minutes. All he did, we had a shovel and then he was squatting down and just looking, right? And the next day we're supposed to, we're supposed to um, rotate. So I tell the, the the coming in team leader, I'm like, hey man, I'm like, I told him what happened. I was like, I don't got a feel, I don't have a good feeling about this, you know. Like, he was just there, and and, and I everybody knew about this, so it wasn't like I wasn't sharing this information. I was like, I, but I told that team leader, I was like, hey man, you, you be careful, man, you know. And the next day, the right next day, I get walking up. And it's, which to me, it seems like the middle of the night, right? But what it was, it was right as the sun was coming up Hmm. and someone's yelling at me. And in the far distance, I can hear fucking hell. And I, and I knew what that was, but something in me was like, what's going on? And they're like, they're getting attacked. We got to go. And I already knew, but I just, I just, I don't fucking know why I asked that, but I asked that. And, and the chatter is, is, it is a, a, Complex attack to where the, the 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 Taliban got on the other side of the wall and and they were throwing grenades mm. and no American died but some Americans got hurt some Afghans got hurt got a f- finger shot off oh wow um, some uh, one of our guys took a, a RPG blew up right in front of him I mean right next to him fucked up his leg you know. Uh, you know, so that I remember as we're driving up and I have footage of that too, as we're fucking rolling up, it's, they're still giving it to them, you know? And, and when I, and some of us had GoPros and stuff like that. So when you, when they see the footage, um, at first glance, they, 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 they couldn't see where the fire was at. But when you like slow it down you can see like in this bush and that bush, the muscle you see this and you're like, those motherfuckers were everywhere. Wow. It must have been like fifteen dudes. Wow, being in combat like that, um,
0: Angel, did it make you? Uh, did it? Did it make you appreciate what you had back home?
1: One hundred percent. My my point of view, my, my how I saw the world was different. You know, I, I went back home and I was grateful for everything, life. That's the biggest thing. People see what I do on on social media and. and and they give me props for it, and then they say good work and all that. But, And it's a beautiful thing, right? Everything that we're doing for the community. But it all stems from the darkest shit that I went through mm-hmm. that made me appreciate this. Mm. You know, all my friends dying, the death that I've seen, the, the everything that I experienced and realizing what the life can be makes me appreciate and try to do the best that I can yeah. for my community right now.
0: What was it like? Um you know, after experiencing everything you experience in the army, um transitioning back into the
1: civilian world for you. So when I got out, it's 2016, I'm an army ranger. Uh I, I got into Muay Thai, I'm competing in Muay Thai, going to school to become a Russian dietitian, and I get out and, and I come back home to Southern California and I already scoped out gyms to go train at because I was still I was serious about martial arts. I found a gym, classic fight team. I was I was training and competing out of there. I was going to school, getting A's and B's and it looked fucking like my transition was going to be flawless until about the third month out. And then it all kind of like just crept out, you know, because you, you, you go home and everyone's happy that you're home, mm-hmm. you know, right? Your mom, your cousins, they're home. I mean, they're happy that you're home. Your wife is happy because my wife is from here, too. You know, she's happy that she's home. Her family's happy. And I call it the honeymoon phase. And then after the honeymoon phase, shit that I was suppressing for years and years, shit all just came out, you know, and stuff that my wife herself was suppressing, you know, because like to be the best a lot of things get sacrificed. And, mm-hmm. and and there's ways to do it. And I don't think I, I don't think I did it the best way. I for sure put my wife not even second but like third and fourth in, in some situations, right? Mm-hmm. Any school that they offered to do, I I would raise my hand. I'll do it. I'm going there. I would come back from one and then it'd be like, hey, we got to school in like three weeks. Sign me up. I'm up. I'm doing it on the weekends. Yo, what do you what are we gonna do? I'm gonna go out with the boys, you know, I'm gonna go do this. We're gonna go do that. We're gonna go hike this mountain. We're gonna go so, all that stuff came out. So, next thing you know, I'm on the verge of, of getting divorced. Uh, the kid, my kids, I have two kids at that point. Uh, I'm not even seeing them. Uh, the GI Bill is great, but the thing is, in between semesters, they don't pay you. Mm-hmm. So, you have to find work. And I'm working at a fucking yogurt shop and getting yelled at in Newport Beach by fucking kids while their order isn't done. And I'm just like... What the fuck am I doing? Fuck. What am I doing? I was an army ranger. I had a house. I had a family. Now I'm sleeping on my aunt's futon, asking her for five bucks so I can put gas in, in my car to go to a job where I get yelled at by fucking teenagers. And I was fucking miserable. Mm. But I ha- and, and, and after I got over what I call my fucking bitch fit, I was like, okay, what are you going to do? Because is this going to be the end of you? And I'm like, no. So I got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I realized it. I wish I would realize it sooner. But what was what ha- happening is that I had lost my brotherhood and my sense of purpose when you got out, right? I got out, and I was happy that I was home. Family is happy. I'm going to school. Training is great. But I, you still have to find that purpose and that community. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to start working on that. I started uh, making friends. At the martial arts gym and at my school first, they were, they were just veterans. Um, invited them, you know, and, and and going and then decided to go to therapy and talk to my friends about they they, they talking to them was also therapy, right? Talking to them and uh, over beers and stuff like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I little by little fixed my my marriage and and I got a, an apartment and I started hosting events in my house. So I, I would tell veterans from my school and from my gym like yo let's watch the fight i'll I'll get the pay-per-view i'll get the beer i'll get the pizza and i was doing that uh and still doing it to this day um, and that gave me my sense of purpose and then little by little i was i was continuing to to work on myself mm. but it was rough yeah it was fucking rough so the events you
0: you meet like there'll be an mma fight and you just invite a bunch of your yeah. boys over and uh just to get together just to keep meeting yep yeah yeah. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. So I started doing that. And and then, but the thing is, every every month, I was either going broke or or or, or like as a negative in my account or barely making it. And my wife's like, hey, I know what these events mean to you, but we can't keep doing it. Yeah. I'm pregnant. We got a third one coming. We can't do this. And she was right. So I, that's when I decided to create OG Pumpkin. Um, just because I wanted to sell, because at the time I broke my foot in my last Muay Thai fight, um, I lost my job, and I needed work. So I just started asking people, Who, "Who's hiring? Who's hiring?" I know I got a broken leg, and they're like, "Hey, you can work at this printing shop, right?" And I was watching all these companies make all this money, uh, and some of them would have these designs that that. It, they're not saying it, but they would imply that they're some type of operator, some type of hitter, right? Some mm-hmm. type of something. And, and But I knew the people who owned the companies. And I'm like, bro, you don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. You've never done any of that. I'm the real deal. I'm going to do it. Right. And so I did. I created OG Pumpkin. So I just wanted to cover the pay-per-view, the food, pizza. and That's, you know, like, that, that's all I wanted, right? Yeah. And by that point, I already gained a following on social media because I started sharing the combat footage. All the stuff that I'm sharing now, all that footage is out there. Yeah. Um, and and me being how I look, people would message me all the time, you know. And it was basically the same message all, all the time. They're like, hey, man, no offense, but you're small. So how did you make it into special operations? And, and I would tell them, like, yo, man, you got to... To A, B, and C to train up for it. But the biggest thing is mental toughness. You got to believe in yourself. Yeah. You believe in yourself and you have the physical capacity to do this and that. You can make it. Right. Um, so then, you know, so by the time I dropped the first, which was just a sticker, I had 200 of them. And I'm like, yo, who wants one? And the first sticker is this pumpkin right here. My son made it. Oh, nice. And and I got this thing for Halloween. So when my son made that, I, I, at the time I was wondering what was my logo gonna be? And, and he, he was five, he made that, and I was like, perfect, this is it. Because if people see my combat footage or pictures, I have skeleton gloves or a skeleton bandana. I got this mask that I would wear cuz mm-hmm. I like Halloween. I'm not the first one to wear a mask or anything like that overseas. Mm-hmm. I think we've all seen pictures of dudes with masks or like a skull painted on their face with camo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but I like Halloween. So when he, when that when my son made the pumpkin, I'm like this is perfect. Yeah. This is good. This this means something to me. So I made 200 stickers. I said, "Hey, who wants one?" And then and and they went away so fast. People were like, from anywhere that there's a military base. I sent stickers to that that very week, Germany, Italy, um, you know, overseas, uh, all the duty stations here uh, in, in the U.S. And so I knew I had something going on, and and then I just made more shirts, more designs, and and it grew. So then nice. it, it let me do more events, which gave me continued and fed the, the 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 purpose and community. Yeah, and to this day I still do it, and and yes, I do it. For selfish reasons too. And that's, those are my selfish reasons. It's because I was lost yeah, and miserable with, without a community, without a purpose. And by doing the work that I do made me realize that I wasn't the only one. I thought, I, I didn't know if there was other people that were feeling the same way, mm-hmm. but talking to a lot of these people, I realized uh, this is not a, a onesies and twosies thing. This is, this has happened to a lot of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, Having a purpose is a very, very big deal, you know, and a lot of us vets don't uh, find that purpose uh, and just fall into depression. And, you know, it's just a a deep fucking rabbit hole, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I wanted to ask you, Angel, um, you're married. Um, Were you married before the army or did you get married in the army?
1: No, I, I got married in the army. In the army? Like right away
0: right away so uh how important was
1: your wife's role you know huge uh,
0: you know huge
1: i i i tell my wife you know like there's no way i could have made a lot of i could have accomplished a lot of things that i accomplished you know all the little things that add up that you know on the back end that people don't see you know like when i'm training up you know like she was she would cook the meals she would wash all my uniforms I would come home and, and something would be sore or, and, and she would massage it out and and if I had a terrible day she would talk to me and and uh, you know and, and taking care of everything at home she never told me no never gave me shit you know um, you know and, and and taking care of the kids and being a good mother and doing above and beyond doing my share of the task to be a father to be you know, Not just a father, but like someone in the house when it came to cooking and cleaning and and taking care of bills. And then when I'm gone overseas or at a school, she's handling everything, Mm -hmm. all the financials, everything. So I just got the opportunity to invest myself 100% into the school deployment or training exercise that I was doing and didn't have to worry about anything.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I think I asked that question because um, I feel like, you know, the spouse's... Really don't get the recognition they deserve, you know? Yeah. Um, because here she is married to you before you ever went into combat. Um, you know, I'm sure those experiences changed you, you know, as a man. And, uh, you know, now your wife, you know, you're coming back home to your wife and, and, and you're a little bit different now, yeah. you know, because of what you've experienced in the yeah. army. And now she has to, uh, adjust to that, you yes. know? Like my husband's been through this and been through that and like, you know, it's very difficult on their end as well. You know, it is. And as a
1: matter of fact, uh, so I have a I have a podcast, OG Pumpkin Podcast, and and she was on she was on the podcast, and that's all we talked about. Oh because wow! Because I started giving and sharing experiences on what to do in the military, right? When it came to this school or that school or, or joining special operations, but then I started giving more, right, and sharing more because I want I don't I don't want these. You guys to be like me. No, I want them to do it better than me, right? So so, we're, so when they're at my age, they they surpassed my accomplishments. Because so many people are like, oh, I want you to be like you. And I'm like, and I give them advice, but I don't want them to be like me, right? Mm-hmm. I want them to do it better. So I started sharing my my failures what thing when it came to my marriage as well too, so that so they can do it better, mm. right? Yeah, and see like yo, well he this dude's talking about this 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 and that, and I didn't even see this. And by her having been on my podcast and talking about it, it, it made me and some people message me and were like, I had no idea. I I listened to your podcast and I talked to my wife, and she brought up this 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 and that. Mm. Or, or ladies were hearing it and we were like thank you for acknowledging it. I'm going to mm-hmm. have my husband listen to this.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome to get the perspective from a spouse's point yeah. of view. That's why I also interview spouses too to get that perspective, you know, yeah. from them. Um,
1: and I think she would she would be really my wife would be willing to talk and come out.
0: That'd be great, man. I'd be it'd be honored to have her, you know, and yeah. get her perspective on that, her take. That'd be awesome. Um Well, we're going to get ready to wrap it up, Angel, but um, um, any last words um, before we cut the tape?
1: Yeah. um, uh, Mental health is a big thing. Mm -hmm. People don't address that. And mental health, mental care comes in a lot of ways. It could be therapy. It could be uh, nutrition. It could be physical exercise because physical exercise has been proven to help mood. Um, I don't, it can be even like a heavy doses of psychedelics mm-hmm. right in, in a professional setting and, and i've done that uh, and it's helped me a lot it's helped me communicate a lot uh a lot of things with my wife it made my life a lot better whatever it is i think people need to address mental health and not be so scared to to come out and be like hey man i got a problem or mm-hmm. you know what it hasn't been that great and and community is a big thing i tell all my friends like yo man for the good and the bad, hit me up, you know, and some of them do hit me up like, yo man, th- things aren't that great. You know, I, yeah. I'm stressing about this. I'm stressing about that. Or, or, or my girlfriend broke up with me or whatever, you know, and, and we, and find, find people that understand that, Hey man, things aren't perfect 24 seven. Mm-hmm. And they should be the type of individual to be like, Hey man, I want to help you during yeah. this moments too.
0: Right on angel. Um, Hey, thank you for taking a seat, brother. It's, uh, major contribution for what we're doing here i always tell everybody you know without um people like you sitting down and sharing their stories you know i ain't shit here at urban valley so thank you so much for being here
1: thank you for having me push it to the limit i can't go no more